welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing. Grab a pint and enjoy. You've heard the news, right? Ah, so exciting. Mobile Tech Expo Orlando 2021 is now officially open. If you have heard the episode with Sheldon announcing that Mobile Tech Orlando is going to go and gives you some of the layout. Now, here's what's cool about that episode. And what you'll find out at the end of this episode is a special discount code for you. So grab that discount code. Don't wait. Go sign up today because you might not be able to get in. Now, one of the things you can do in order to ensure that you're on stage with us at Mobile Tech Orlando, go follow the Instagram page at Pints Polishing Podcast. More info to be released. Hey, enjoy this episode. All right. Well, it looks like we've got uh, Porsche Paul has hopped in to, uh, to have Hi, some Hey. Or, or as your uh, as your name there says, Pablo. Yeah, that, that's my real name by birth. <laughs> it's your real name by birth. It's not Porsche Paul. I thought it was always Porsche Paul. That's the way I was always introduced to you. Yeah, Porsche Paul is uh, is what they what they call me. But yeah, no, a lot of uh, older clients and, and a lot of people. The biggest thing is uh, is there was a lot of Pauls. So I was like, I'll use my real name, and that was uh, that's how that started. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't look like a Pablo. <laughs> it throws people off. My dad was on a uh, submarine base in Rota, Spain. And uh, so I was born while he was there. And my birth certificate, when they brought it back to us, said Pablo Antonio Odom. So that's how that all. And it stayed that way. <laughs> got to change. So. Well, Pablo, uh, this is Nick. Nick, this is Pablo. Hey, Nick. Nice to meet you, man. Same to you. Uh, Paul, give us a brief background. Uh, you know, I've met you, uh, hung out. Uh, thank you for the times that uh, you've let me come out and see your shop. And uh, we've had uh, breakfast, we've had lunch, we've hung out quite a bit whenever I'm there in Jacksonville. And uh, so I know a little bit about you, but I don't know everything. And I'd love to know some more. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people would like to know who is Pablo? Hold, hold, hold on, the Matco guy just walked in. I'm, I guess I might have to. It's uh, got my uh. receipt here, <laughs> the trusty receipt. Um, so I, uh, when I moved to Jacksonville, I was looking for something to do as far as work goes. And I, you know, got into detailing because there was a detailing slash hand wash that was next to my house. And so that's how I kind of got into it when I was about 15. And then, uh, and then, what, what was this? do what? What year was this? Uh, 90, 90, yeah, 1990. And so uh, we started, um, I, I, I kept on venturing over to the Mercedes dealership, ended up uh, working for the owner of the Mercedes dealership as his, uh, as his kind of like wash boy. Yeah. And uh, so I trained underneath uh, a gentleman there, uh, Frank Santos. He's passed away now. And uh, he was a big concourse detailer 
for Bob Snodgrass that owned the Brumos racing team, uh, which was uh, Brumos, Porsche, Brumos, Mercedes, this huge following here. Um, and, uh, you know, they won the Rolex and 24 and a bunch of different, you know, endurance racing. Uh, <clears throat> kind of like you watched uh, the, you know, the, that recent, a recent Ford, movie. Yeah, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, so they, they were big on that. You know, they had a lot of insight into that. Um, so anyway, long story short, they um, I started working for the owner of that, and um, I started learning under Frank how to rotary polish uh, with double-sided wool. Um, we did a lot of wool polishing, and uh, I didn't feel like I was learning enough on the detail end because all we were doing was fine rubbing you know these new chrome pieces and these cars that were meticulous um so i reverted backwards and went into the body shop uh business and uh um did a lot of free hand sanding <laughs> um it was uh, it was here's a piece of sandpaper 1500 was pretty much all they would give you and uh and it was uh really soft clears so whatever whatever you sanded it buffed out because clear coat had just come into the industry it was still a lot of single stage oh yeah and um so i worked in the body shop industry all the way uh well i mean i did it for a long time it was my base um we have a uh mata body which is they have two locations here in jacksonville and they um the, the owner of it became kind of, you know, really close to me. And I, I did a lot of work with them uh, through insurance companies. So we did a lot of insurance, uh, flood damage, uh, texture matching. Um, uh, we would pull interiors out, anything we could do, you know, to make money. So uh, <laughs> moving on, uh, we, we started picking up a lot of bubble trucks. And uh, we were doing bubble trucks left, right. That's all we did. It's all we just seemed to become famous for doing bubble truck detailing. And I ended up putting two people on with me, which are still with me today. Um, one's been with me 14 years, and one's been with me 16 years. Um, and they uh, they worked with us for you know, uh, and they're still with us, getting our shop together and everything else. We're on our second shop now. But um, we just kind of continued on, and we realized that bubble trucks were were just too much of a, of a feat every day to knock out two or three of those when we could be doing a lot smaller vehicles. And I started soliciting uh, uh, exotics. So I started going back to – I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Yeah, something's going on with the sound. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Put your uh, put your earpiece back in. I don't. This is my earpiece for my iPhone. I'm on my computer. Oh, yeah, they, oh okay. maybe that was the problem. Maybe. Hold on. Let me let me try. Let me try this. Is that any better? Yeah. That is that better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My is better. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. trivia question is has got to be, what's a Bubba truck? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, uh, the, like the girl that works for me. She has a Bubba truck. Uh, it is uh, a lifted uh, oh. four by four uh, 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 Mark's truck. That's a Bubba truck. 
Okay. Yeah, got it. Got it. <laughs> you know, you know, that's a bubble chug. You know? So, I mean, and uh, they, they're just too time consuming. You know, they I'm, want the by, by the By the way, we're, we're in the same boat out here. We got to be real cautious. This is a funny story right now. I wish you, I hope you share more of this because I think what's happening now is guys aren't upcharging enough for as big as trucks have gotten now, just a simple 2,500 HD now. If you don't upcharge for it, you can lose a lot of money in your business. So I hope go into that a little bit more of why you decided to get yes. out of those types of trucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I just, it, well, obviously age, um, as I got older, uh, I'm 46 now. Now everybody below me obviously is a lot younger, but I'm 46 now, so it takes a toll. Um, and I was a heavy drinker. I don't drink anymore. Uh, I stopped drinking about four years ago, but I was a heavy drinker. So that would also tire me out <laughs> very, 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 very quick uh, in a day. So don't drink if you, if you don't, if you don't have to. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was just too much of too much work. What it really boiled down to, we really had to, I mean, I'll take occasionally one or two trucks. Now I realize that not everybody has that, that uh you know ability but we really started just seeking out we totally dumped our business we stopped calling on our customers with bubba trucks and started going you know uh contacting exotic dealers and and uh looking for more collections and remembering the people that we knew had those kind of cars and um uh, ultimately we we ended up uh eight years ago starting to do work for Porsche Jacksonville, which was Brumos Porsche at the time, um, through the service department. So we did nothing for the dealership itself. Service just referred us to people. Did you so pay we, back uh, a fee for that? Uh, no, no, there was no, it was just, um, uh, just kind of, we took care of them, service advisors, uh, service manager, uh, ultimately service manager is the one that makes that decision. Um, so we ended up doing the service manager's, uh, collectible vehicle. And that was what set the, set the tone from there on. Um, especially like our price point, our standard, uh, exterior polish is about 500. Um, and we could only manage to do maybe two of those in a day. Um, because I'm just, I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to when it comes to looking over cars and and not letting them roll, you know, not letting them go out the shop when they need yeah. to. So, so that's the that's a that's the big thing was the Bubba trucks. We couldn't get. We would spend two days on on a lifted truck, and then I'd be sitting there going, "Well, we we made five hundred dollars," and at that time we were mobile, so it was like, "Okay, well, five hundred dollars is some good money." two days and I paid my guys exactly a hundred dollars a day. They made cash back then at a hundred dollars a day. I had two people. That was $200 and about a hundred dollars in chemicals and gas uh, and food. So that was $300. So I had made $200 and it used to piss me off because everybody that I ever talked to said, yeah, the detail business is okay business. If you want to make a hundred dollars a day for the rest of your life, and I'm like sitting here, I'm on year 15, and, and that's exactly what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm $100 a day in it, and uh, after I pay for expenses, and I'm, I'm making $500 to $700 a week if I work seven days a week, 
And um, I did that for, you know, a good 15 years, if not nothing, you know, many days, yeah. no, no money whatsoever. I always paid my people, even if I had to starve, I paid my people because, you know, they depended on me, wasn't, you know, and just like I depended on them to show up every day. Wow. Um, but so, away Paul, from, what drove you to, to go approach a dealership? Um, I guess uh, when I worked at the dealer for a very short period of time, I, 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 I saw there was some outsourced companies that I saw them doing that work. And they were very busy. Now, I didn't know at the time they didn't make no money. But they, they, uh, they were really busy. So I thought, okay, well, dealerships are where it's at if you can. I didn't make any money. Can you make money doing dealership work? I make a ton of money doing dealership work. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's, it's just because we show a ton of value. Um, and we've become that person that, you know, it's funny because I hear it in the, you know, the training that these guys do and stuff. I, I, you know, we've become that person that is called upon for answers, for problems, for issues. I mean, I just left the body shop that they got primer dust on the headliner. Now, I, that's what I was doing right before I got here. I went over there. I took some reducer and glass cleaner and worked it off. And it took me almost 20 minutes. And they're like, oh, you saved our lives. We don't have to replace this headliner. Thank you. You know, we're not worthy. That's the whole thing is that you become, you know, uh, invaluable. Uh, so, and that's what we've done. We have made our niche here in Jacksonville as an invaluable people to go to as far as getting this, you know, getting the answers of getting your car cleaned right, you know. There's so many detailers though that don't want to, well, don't want to first of all, even detail for a dealership, let alone, you know, then tell other people that they might do dealer work. So what, I, we really appreciate you coming on. Evidently you don't feel any, anything about, you know, I guess working for a dealership's just fine. Same with body shops. Yeah. If, um, if there's one thing I'd tell every de detailer to do before they kind of moved on into their learning is take, uh, you know, take on a body shop, offer them some of your services, uh, get in there and learn some things uh, about paint, you know, because, you know, that's, you know, having a body shop on your side will make you a little bit more, you'll, you'll, you'll do more work because you'll try to do more work. I didn't do as much buffing until I had a body shop underneath my wing so that when I have problems, I burned three paint jobs this week. So, I mean, I burned three paint jobs and I've been buffing cars and wet sanding cars you know, all my life, but it's something that happens because we're always trying to, you know, we're always trying to make that money, right? So uh, dealerships, though, they'll let you take chances, and um, and they will they will do they will give you work that other people, you know, won't, uh, especially if you want to try to uh, you know get a little bit more knowledge. You can ruin a bunch of cars in a dealership and kind of. May <laughs> learn learn a lot more about the you know, detailing techniques. Uh, you know, that's that's how we learned when I was growing up. Was you know, we ruined a bunch of cars, and that's how we knew not to do something. 
Yeah. And that's what I told you, Marty, from my perspective that I want people to know me starting in a wholesale environment allowed me with a rotary DeWalt rotary polisher to just fool around and learn and what works for me. And I was working with 3M compound and polish, which compared to today's stuff, it was nasty. I mean, it was dusty everywhere. It was bad abrasive technology compared to what we have now. But I see so many guys that go away from volume and they're going to suffer because of it. The other thing that I, again, this is now another person you've heard on this podcast who started with a rotary polisher in their hand. I'm not telling people you got to run your business with a rotary polisher. What I'm telling you is the skill set will start you and make you a better polisher when you go to the DA in your business by starting with a rotary. I started on wool and rotary. Every great polisher I know still uses a rotary. Yet I, I see so many young guys who are told, well, you know, this DA company is telling me that they got the greatest technology. Here, I'm telling you, put a rotary in your hand. Learn to make some mistakes with the rotary because it gives you greater technique down the line. And Especially. so this is, just a, this is just another person sharing the same exact thing that, that we've shared here on this pod. It's so great to hear people that have been doing this a long time. Again, talking the same way we've just, we just keep hammering home, man. Listen to these guys. Yeah, but most, most don't talk about it, though. That's that's what I think is an underlying part of what you're saying, Nick. I mean, there's Right. Not- they don't want people to know they mess up. Right. Yeah, 100%. Sure. Sure. And I, I mean, I've, I've walked into every class that I've been in and everything that I've ever taught. When I, you know, I, I teach for 3M. I, I go to body shops and train. I'll take a day or two off. I'll go into different body shops and train their new buff guys. So I'll work with them hand in hand. I stand behind them and hold the polisher and I guide their hand and do everything with them for hours on end. And I'm like, look, until you burn something, you're not going to know what the feeling is or anything else, that gut-wrenching feeling of, I just burnt that car. You know, See, I was like, seeing that bubble, <laughs> seeing that edge, whatever it may be. Right, exactly. And, uh, and so I'll call them you know, after I've trained them and I'll call them like every other day and say, you burned something yet? And they'll be like, no, not yet, not yet. And then finally I'll get a phone call from them and they'll be like, I did it. You know, it happened to burn it. It's, you know, I had to paint the whole side of the car because I burned it right in the middle. You know? So one of the things I want to ask is how, how do you approach a body shop? You're, you're a guy that just says, Hey, look, man, I want to get into this kind of work. I would do want to approach a body shop. I want to be the solution person, but I want to be it to these people that have volume. Okay. There's a big difference in approaching a customer with a car and a customer that has a hundred cars on their lot or in their body shop. So how, how do you, how do you kind of help guys? Hey, look, man, I'm walking in cold. I don't know anybody at the body shop. I don't have the connections. I just want to introduce myself. Why don't you walk us through that a little bit? And and to point it out, I've done it. And I've done a lot of body shops that way. Um, after I figured out that I I was a need for them, uh, then, then uh, because body shops just don't hire good help to clean up cars. They just, they don't do it. They won't do it. Um, they would rather pay somebody else. So if you'll reach out to them and approach them. But I went through the front door. Um, I went to the receptionist. And I would introduce myself and uh, I didn't give them a long spiel or anything like that. I just was like, Hey, 
you know, if y'all are looking for somebody to do some cleanup on your cars and you're not looking to hire somebody, if you can give me a call, here's my card. And, and business cards do still work. Um, here's my card. And if you, you know, if y'all get into something that's a problem that you can't clean, then call me. And uh, I would stop by that same body shop maybe 20, 30 times in a year. And eventually... They would call me. But I mean, I made time to do that. I would set aside a rainy day that I wasn't cleaning cars and I would go to body shop, the dealership. I would just go and talk to them. I wouldn't even try. I would go around the back and try to just talk to the painters and the body men and have a conversation and BS with them. And my, and my biggest problem though with me is I can't stay on point when I talk to people. I'm all over the map. So you'll you'll see that. You'll ask me a question, and I'm telling you a totally different answer that you didn't even ask me about, you know, so. Hey, come out to And we had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> the most random conversation, right, exactly. Yep, so, and Mark just don't talk. <laughs> he like, waits to see what you say and then tell you you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I, here's what I love. Cold calling matters. Yeah, yeah. Cold, yeah. cold calling matters, and that's also we, in person, right? Yeah, we we yep. keep telling guys, uh, you know, we're we're really talking to the young guys on this pod, and I want people to realize something: that in face, shake your hand in your neighborhood, is a lot different than Instagram and Facebook oh, yeah. and Google. And you want to really grow your business, you need to have people know your name and your community, and it's not going to happen online all the time. You can get some great things online. There's nothing, you know, but th this is, this is a guy who's, who's backing up everything we've continued to say, Marty, where it's, it's what we're trying to do to the best of our ability is get guys to realize that at some point you got to go out and sell somebody, you got to sell somebody and it's going to take five, 10, 20, 30, 80 visits to get Easily. somebody on your side. Right. It's not going to happen overnight. And, and, you know, this is what these young guys and gals need to realize. You can look at all this stuff on Instagram and say, man, this guy is detailing this Ferrari or this, this, this Porsche or whatever. But if they're not doing a whole bunch of them, they're not that profitable and they're not going to grow. So you got to find volume somewhere. Right. And, 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 and this and, is the important thing. And to add to that, I am every detailer's friend in my community. I reach out to detailers, call them, I see how they're doing. Uh, I, I, I go to lunch with them. Uh, you know, I go to dinner with them. I look for detailers to, uh, especially ones that, I, uh, you know, have a good presence. You know, either they have a good online presence or other, uh, my customers have talked about them to me. I will reach out to those guys. I know all the good detailers around here. I feel like I do. Um, and, uh, and we're all good friends and we, and we kind of bounce off of each other, what's going on, price pointing, you know, just kind of, you know, having an idea of what's going on around them. Are they busy? You know, um, is oh, there a dealership that they lost? Have is you seen other local detailers also reach out to dealerships? No. Um, Mark is the only one that I know has, has done dealership work. Um, and then uh, Kevin, that's all he does is dealership work uh, with auto preservation. 
He's about 65, and he has a crew of about five guys at his shop, and all they do is, like, used car lots, like mom-and-pop lots and used car dog lots and, you know, those guys that buy cars from auction and they, you know, paint out wheel wells and motors and, you know, do the more extensive – uh, it's not about detailing, but restoration. Reconditioning. Um, reconditioning. Right. A lot of reconditioning and they, uh, and it's not, you know, it's not about the, the actual finish. It's about the overall presentation of the vehicle. Yeah. You know, so. so I know Mark and I went around and I, I helped him actually land an account at a Chevy store where, right. uh, we were going in and there's there's two ways that I would recommend approaching dealerships. I would definitely recommend going in through the service drive. Uh, yeah. and, and there's there's usually going to be what you would call service writers that will be either at a table or behind a desk. If it's a big enough store, there's going to be a receptionist at the service side. But the main receptionist at the lobby will most likely in the main entrance of the sales lobby is going to just send you back to service. So most likely, I would recommend, guys, just go straight back to the service drive. Go find a service writer. And if you can, you'll ask to see if you can see the service manager. Now, they're going to ask you, well, what is it about, right? you got to understand this guy has very limited time. He's got a shit ton on his plate. So guys, I just, gals, either way, humans, detailers, understand that you're going into their world. You're not a priority. You are now a salesman and you're interrupting their flow. You're irritating so, their flow. So, so <laughs> you come at with a little bit of understanding of what it takes to make a sales presentation. So, uh, what we're not saying is just go in and say, hey, I want to do your cars and uh, complain two trips later that they didn't give you the business. If you heard what he said, it took multiple, multiple times. I think he said 30, 60, 80 times going back in years and years and years. And he talked about, well, he would go in on a rainy day. If any of you have been through the West Coast, uh, sorry, the East Coast of Florida, you understand that rain happens quite a bit. So Paul invested quite a lot of time growing the relationship and doing actual practical salesmanship, right? So this would be a time that I would recommend that you don't go spend money on learning the craft of detailing. You might not need to take that extra course on how to polish paint better. And you might spend some time listening to audible books, listening to podcasts, figuring out ways that you can make a sales presentation to the service manager, because don't get it sidetracked here. Do not think that you just magically get to walk into a dealership and because you are a good detailer, you deserve their business. Let's understand that very upfront. You will need to sell to that service manager, to the service advisor, to then even possibly the GM and the owner of why you should be there charging what you charge to clean and detail their cars. So, uh, Paul, would you give a couple of sales type uh, things that maybe we should say? You know, I, I don't know if it was just as easy for you to walk in and, and get told no and go back 30 times, six it, times. It was, it was, um, <clears throat> I'm not intelligent enough to give a sales seminar. Um, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, it's not in my wheelhouse. I don't, um, <clears throat> now age, 
helps. Age helps a lot. So when you look young, it's, it, it hurts. I know because when I was young, it hurt because when you approach a dealership or you approach uh, somebody in the automotive business and you look young, then it, it you know, <clears throat> you're already going to be an uphill battle with that because they, you know, they worry that you don't have the ability to do something. And if you're mobile, it's good too, because they don't want you driving off with their cars. I drive off with Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Porsches from my customers' houses. They call me up. They're, they're not even in town. I'm just picking their cars up left and right. But when I was a kid, that didn't, that didn't work out very well. Yeah. And I, I mean, and there was good reason why I wrecked probably two customers' cars, hot rodding them when I was a kid, you know, <laughs> I was just a you know, Corvette and a Porsche, both of them. One was in a ditch and one I curved real bad, you know, so <clears throat> there's good reason. Um, <laughs> biggest thing, if you're going to go to a dealership and you're uh, a mobile unit, see the general sales manager or the used car manager, they will more than happily give you one of their cars for you to detail for free. They were more than happy. I haven't went into a dealership yet that's turned me down for that. Not one. So if you, if you have it in you and you have the stamina and you have the ability to eat a car, go eat a car. I ate hundreds of them. But you know that's you know that that that's my biggest tip is if you if you're looking to land dealerships, they got to see your work. They don't want to pay to see your work. You know everybody's like, oh well, I'm you know I'm so expensive and I'm worth so much money and this that another. That's fine, you know, <laughs> uh, but that's not the reality. And um, you will become invaluable to somebody. If you're, if you're in there and you're showing them your work and you're like, look, this is what I can do. And you gave me a really rough car to work on and I brought it to this level. And then they turn around and sell it the next day and make a five, five grand profit on it. Then they don't forget about you. They're thinking about you. So you mentioned that there's a lot of people that, you know, make a lot of money in detailing. So then they go into dealerships expecting to also make, you know, a lot of money dealerships don't exactly pay out the same as retail customers well how do you get over that hurdle yeah then it's it's just you got to kind of the best way i got over the hurdle was showing them the work showing them what went into it since i was mobile i was able to be on their lot they saw me working on the one car and i would just kind of ask them what they thought that work was worth you know, what, what, what's your work worth, you know, as being a salesman there or being a used car manager, you know, that, that basically just kind of turned it back on to them of, you know, what did you think that that was worth? I mean, have you seen somebody do that before? Um, you know, the, the, the used car department, you know, the detailer that works for y'all, have you seen him be that in depth, you know? So basically just seeing the work uh, would set the stage for me to ask for the money. Well, Paul, but, if you do great work, we pay a hundred bucks a car. You happy with that? Uh, I mean, it, I will. I can. I can give you a detail job for a hundred dollars, and it'll probably be better than what you've been getting. Um, but there are some more options. If 
you know, and that's what I'm talking about, the pre-work, the pre-car, you know, you're going to, you're going to do a bang up job on that car and you're going to show them what they could get for $250. That's usually my goal with a dealership is to get them at that 250 mark. I mean, that's an honest mark. Uh, you know, um, Porsche, we charge $500, $300, one stage polish, $300 on a 911. That's, that's how much we get for it. That's every day of the week. And, and, they, and they bitch about it. And hold, they, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can you walk us through? So here, here I am. So this is what I think would be helpful for guys. You just gave two price points, but let's talk about the $300 one. Yes. Okay. You work your ass off to get them to 300 bucks. I'm sure that's been a, a toll in and of itself to get them to the 300. So sure. let's, okay. So let's remind young guys, took a really long time to get them to the 300. Right. So walk us through, if you don't mind, if you do, that's fine. What you do for 300, how quickly you can turn a car for 300. What are you doing to run this profitable? Sure. So guys don't, you know, listen to this and not understand that there is profit to be made. Let's, let's kind of walk them through how this all works. Okay. So, um, uh, generally we work in a team of two, you know, we try to, it doesn't always work out that way. Somebody might get stuck by themselves. Um, I'll start off with the hundred dollar job because we do a lot of those, which are like deliveries, uh, a used car detail that is very clean, you know, and they just want us to wash it, do a real thorough wash, make sure the engine's clean, make sure the door jams are clean and there's no trash in the car and it's wiped down good. Now on a 2016 911 or a 2016 Panamera, it's generally not a problem. It takes an hour to do, maybe an hour and 15 minutes in that range. Um, the $300 job is the next step up from that. So we've jumped from 100 to 300. And so Porsche all day long goes, this is a $100 job. This is a $300 job. This is a $500 job. They understand because we have shown them what $100 gets them and then the $300 gets them and the 500. So the $300 job is about three hours. It's about three hours long with two people. So we're not, you know, that still equates to probably about five hours on a car. Um, and uh, it's going to be a good wash, uh, decontaminate if it needs it, but not crazy, you know, not, not every inch of the car just running the pad over it with the porta cable and doing the overspray or decontaminants or whatever. We don't use Iron X or anything like that. Um, on those cars, we'll generally use just some, uh, you know, kind of like wheel acid. We'll just kind of wipe down the painted areas to smooth them out, get the rail dust off of them and move on. We do that in the wash process. So it's, it really does not, uh, does not take away from the time and the product is 13 cents. I don't know. Um, yep. and then moving on, the car's dried. The motor has been gone through. Uh, and when I say gone through, it's just washed, not dressed, nothing of that. We just wash motors. We don't get into dressing them or anything else. Cause you know, then we become responsible. Um, door jams really good. Uh, one stage polish if it needs it. You know, if it needs the whole car one stage polished, then we'll do it. But we give it what it needs. So if it just needs the tops polished, 
just polish the tops. Um, we always use a one stage that's all in one that has uh, some kind of protection in it because we can't, we can't after that then put protection on it. So it's, it's just going to be a one stage, wipe the car off, do the windows, dress the tires, make sure the wheels are done backs and fronts, and, and the car rolls. So that's pretty much it. I mean, and, and most of our interiors are not shot out. Right. So we, don't, we don't have a big interior issue here where we've got people with steam cleaners and uh, you know, uh, extractors, and we did all that stuff for years, and obviously you're going to have to. Um, that's the only thing that I could see that would slow me down tremendously, is if I had a lot of bad interiors to deal with. Okay, so it, it, you got these Porsches, you did a $300 job. The, the interiors, you know, a lot of people use the word trash. You're not coming across a trashed interior. So what are you doing on the interior on the 300 job? Just cleaning it up? Basically, yeah, we'll, we'll use we'll use an APC. We'll wipe down pretty much the whole interior, microfiber, one wet, one dry. Uh, APC the APC the microfiber spraying it directly on the towel, um, except for in the cup holder, uh, yeah. and then um, you know using just water and a and a really soft microfiber to buff down all the plastics and the and any of the clear plastic. Yeah, Are you doing matte. any kind of protecting on that stuff or you're just leaving it matte? No, no, just leaving it matte for sure. Yeah, we don't, yep. yeah, we don't try to gloss anything. We just try to clean it and, yep. and make it presentable. Um, you know, that's just not, you know, at, there are times where a dash or door panels are faded or they, they look super dry. Yeah, obviously we're going to, you know, we're going to do something for that. But we don't focus on... And another thing is not focusing on getting carpets wet. You want to do the floor mats, that's fine. Pressure wash the floor mats, suck them out, let them dry while the car is getting worked on. Make that the first thing you do. Um, but just really good brush vacuuming, 90% of the time in our cars that we're working on now, you know, just really good uh, stiff brush and the vacuum, and, and you're getting that car fairly clean. So my guys are real meticulous on vacuuming, though. They'll yeah, spend, so that's how we are. That's how yeah, we are. Yeah, 45 minutes to an hour, you know, doing the vacuum and wipe down. Yeah, so, so we're, we're, we're the same. And young guys, I want you to hear this. You guys, we always get questions on what should people buy. And I always try to tell young guys, don't get into the extractor game, okay? Because you can do a lot of stuff with an interior, and the extractor game leads to the mold game for a lot of guys, where they're just making cars moldy, stinky, they're getting callbacks. So it's so great to hear a guy doing it, you know, a little longer than me. I started in, in 98, basically, where, look, we, I used an extractor for a lot of years. It caused way more headache than it helped. And so to hear you say, hey, look, take a stiff brush. You know, you're not doing trashed interiors, obviously. If you are, then there's a conversation we had about an extra extractor. But just know that it leads to other things. You know, it leads to a dealership maybe getting in a car and saying, what the hell am I smelling? You left all this water in here. Now I got to mold the interior. Uh, and you've created a whole host of problems because a guy on your team isn't going to be as meticulous about introducing water on an interior like an owner would be. And right. so the extractor can come, become a very, very double-edged sword for a lot of guys. And um, hold on. Oh, all right. All right. now the, I just want to add to it real quick the uh the, and and we have two extractors here and we and we will do that work 
and we will uh, uh, get the old bucket out and, uh, and a wash mitt and clean all the interior and suck it all dry and get it all cleaned up. But that car sits in my shop in an AC environment overnight with an air mover in it with nothing else in the car all night long. Yeah. So if you're not doing that and the car is not bone dry before it goes back to you, you're going to get a stinky car every yeah. time. Never going to fail. We have a detail company right now. Every car that comes from that detail company smells like a foot. Well, Marty, remember, I told you, we actually ran ads here locally because a local detail company was molding cars, basically. And so we made a ton of money in a month because they ran a special. Everybody went home and started smelling something. We got two or three phone calls. All of a sudden, I realized they were all from the same one. I went after the zip code and we landed work because those guys ran such a cheap deal. Every, everybody just got molded up you know, and, and got that, that wet smell, that wet dog smell. That's like, you know, brutal on an yeah, interior. Until you take an interior out, you don't know what it's made of. It's got foam that's that thick all over it. And that foam, as soon as it gets wet, it never dries, not unless you take it out of the car. And even if you take it out of the car on a Porsche, we have to skim off all the foam off of the carpet in order for it to ever dry. Even if it's out of the car, sitting in the sun, 150 degree weather, <laughs> it still doesn't drop because it's not yeah. you know it's got so many different materials in between it that 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 rubbery foam can never dry out it'll never Marty, th this is the invaluable stuff that i hope guys understand is that when people are telling you about you know water and infiltration and be real careful how you use water on an interior something so simple gets glossed over by our industry and it kills guys' business because they get like a thousand complaints and they can't figure out what they've done wrong because somebody's told them that an extractor and overusing it and not understanding water and not understanding what they're doing, it really eats into your profit. So if you're going to do this volume work, Pablo, would you say that efficiency is the most important thing when you run your business, when you're doing this volume type work? Yeah, because the dealer wants his car back on the lot so he can sell it. And, uh, and that's my biggest issue is I hold cars too long. So <laughs> I already have that problem and I already know what the dealership wants and I still hold cars way too long. I mean, that they just, they, they can't stand it when I'm like, well, I haven't gotten to that car yet because I'm still working on these other two cars. I will get to it in the morning. They're like, man, we just want it on the lot so we can sell it this weekend. And I'm like, sorry, you know, I'm as fast as I can. But for you to stay successful, you are having to run it as an efficient yes. business. When you start, when you put pad to paint and you're starting to work on a car, it's about efficiency. Yes, it is. Uh, and I don't think it is for my guys as much as it is me. Um, I walk in here like today and I'm seeing them work on something. I'm like, look, this car has to be coated by the end of the day. The lady wants to pick it up tomorrow. Now we are coating cars for the dealership too now. So I have finally broke the market here to do ceramic coats and they sell it in finance. That has only happened in the past six months. And how's and that working for you? It's great. I mean, I'm getting less money a car, but I'm not having to sell anything and I'm not having to talk to a customer. I'm not having that downtime. They just call me and go, got another ceramic coat over here for you. I'll put some ceramic pro on this, you know, so, and they're new cars, you know? And so, we do a one stage polish, we ceramic coat them and that's it. And we don't have to worry about nothing. And 
it's easy cheesy and the dealership loves it because they're marketing up 100 percent okay so let's say you let's say you you've broken through you've you've gotten to the holy grail now they're selling your highest type product your your ceramic coating for you which is really the thing we all want to work towards in business where somebody is now helping you land work right uh, for your business what type of you know discount are you having to take and how is the dealership paying you? Are you getting paid right at the time? Or are you having to give them 30 days? You know, walk um, guys I, through that. I, uh, I, and that's another thing going to an accounting department at a dealership can be a struggle. So if, if you, um, if you're not prepared to have a conversation with the accounts payable people, then you're, you're, you're going to have a problem because we, I literally, when I first started with them, I say, look, I'm a very small business. I have people that depend on me to pay them weekly. And I called, uh, I called the accounting director myself that does accounts payable. And I, I was like, I, I just, is there some way we can work out me getting paid every other week? I was like, I can go 10 days, but I can't go 30. And the lady was like, yeah, well, I'm sure we can figure something out, you know? And I've had that with all three dealerships I deal with. You know, every single uh, lady that worked in the accounting department, you know, after having a conversation, they're like, yeah, there are some vendors that we have to pay a little bit quicker because they're smaller and they can't, you know, they can't, uh, they can't take, I couldn't take that hit today. I couldn't wait 30 days for nothing. I mean, that, that's just, I've spent way too much money. I am very unfrugal with my money uh, <laughs> and I'm always trying to help everybody and buy everybody something and. And I'm always giving pads away. Detailers come in here and work with us for days. I mean, we had Max Perfection in here and, uh, you know, just a bunch of other guys that, you know, have come in here to learn how to polish. And they'll come work with us and we'll show them stuff. And then I'm like, when they're leaving, I'm like, oh, well, take all these pads and towels with you, you know, so you'll have the stuff you need to get started, you know? So, so, that, so let's, let, let's finish it with, I think, a good question. You So you're, you're doing – pretty nice work. You know, you're doing high level work. You really care about your work. There's all this pride that goes into owning a detailing business. We all feel it. You, you obviously talk about it, that you have a hard time with, you know, how, how long you keep cars, how you want them to look, but you said something in particular that we talked about a few weeks ago. So I want to leave guys with a simple thought that helps them with their business today. You use an all-in-one polish that leaves protection. What's the polish you know, do you change it consistently or is it something you trust and you stick with it? You know, is there certain pads that you use? Guys want to know that little stuff. We don't get into it that much on this podcast, but since we've talked so much, you know, what does your all-in-one process look like? Um, okay. So uh, 3D is, uh, is one that we get into, 505. That is really good for dark color cars. It leaves a good wax on there after it's done and it's it's uh expensive but but it works good um with uh burgundy um uh burgundy uh buff and shine uh eurotech so that's at speed core you know on the roof s21 we do not use 15s here 15s do not cover enough area on the car to get it out quicker the 15 is very focused machine. It's great for if you want to, you know, be the star, but it's not, it's not, uh, it's to us, it's not 
user-friendly on knocking cars out. And the females that work for me, you know, they're, they're like, this thing is a waste of time. You know, they're like, I can't polish with this because all the girls that work for me run rotaries and, and, and run DAs. So they, you know, they're like, these things are a waste of time. They grab the rotary first. Uh, and I see I'm getting off on tangent. So the, the, <laughs> I use that and I use perfect finish. I started using perfect finish after I went to the last mobile tech expo. Um, and I buy perfect finish by the gallons. Um, and we and we use that with uh, the green, old school, 3D. Uh, I mean the uh, uh, buff and shine copy of the Rupes green pack. And we buy a ton of those. So that, those are two go tos for all in ones. And, and so here's what I, I I want guys to realize you probably don't change very often and you, you find a process and you say, Hey, I've perfected the process. Let's roll. 80% of the day. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, so, yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they pull out the high speed just to, you know, hit a couple little spots. Maybe they see on something, but it's, you know, uh, unless they're, you know, getting into a more extensive detail, do I, you know, do they pull the high speed out because they realize that it's, you know, it's for the more extensive stuff. Yeah. And so this is what I want, you know, guys, it's, I mean, of all the great information, man, I, I don't think we can ever thank, you know, people like you or that come on here and speak on things like this, especially volume work, which I think gets glossed over. And we are really trying to bring a focus, Marty and I, back to the volume that you need to run a successful business is a lot more than guys want to admit. If you want to hire people, if you want to keep people around, you got to move volume through your mobile business, through your, your shop. It doesn't matter. You got to move volume and it's going to be really hard to do that retail wise and build a big shop. So all the big shops that I know of guys that I stay in contact with, Hey, they got a lot of retail customers. Don't get me wrong, but they're moving a, a ton of dealership work, wholesale work, uh, body shop work, whatever it may be. And folks, they find a process and they beat that process up every day. It's just make that process better, make that process more efficient. I see too many guys ordering too many new products. Find a process, perfect the process, and you can do volume work uh, like we talked about today. Yeah, and commercial, commercial work can consist of dealerships, it can consist of body shops, but it also can consist of uh, work vans, work trucks, uh, you know, there's all kinds of paint companies out here where detailers are, you know, doing their whole fleet of vans and they're just doing exterior stuff, you know, and they're not getting involved in that. I know, I know, uh, uh, Mark has a couple of, I keep on referring to Mark Elliott because he's my friend and, and he's just a mile away from me. So, and he has a fantastic detail shop and we do everything together across market as far as you know, I use his people. He uses my people uh, for things and dents and spot painting. We do all that stuff. I just opened up a small body shop uh, where we do only Porsche paint work. Um, and we're doing all over Porsche paint work as well. Um, so that's exciting, you know, but that, and that's my goal is to offer a one-stop shop at some point in time. I know that that always gets kind of carried away, but I would like to have a body shop. That's that's my ultimate goal is to have a full-fledged body shop. That's where I'm headed. 
It's so awesome, man. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, man. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, like and like we talked about, Paul, <clears throat> what we love about it is there is this time right now, right? Uh, where the industry has seemed to go a certain way over the past four to five years. But the pivotal time right now that we're seeing with the economy and what we're seeing inside shops, as Nick said earlier, a slowdown, right? A, uh, oh, we're starting to see some stuff change in the industry. Uh, there is no doubt that uh, people taking on what you have taught them today will dramatically improve their chances uh, over the looming coming recession and coming over the next years. Uh, you know, even though you mentioned a certain company a minute ago, they, th that company actually has taught a different way. You seem to be using your own system, right, to grow your business, which uh, is what we love. Um, and uh, thank you so much for all the time that you shared and uh, all the, the grind, all the, the go at it, the community, you know, everything about that uh, you are. Uh, I will close on this though, Paul, my favorite, right? My favorite thing about uh, Porsche Paul is not how much Porsche you do, but it's <laughs> what you wear while you're doing them. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah well, you're welcome. The original flip-flop detailer. Uh, <laughs> yes, and uh, OSHA hates me because I have gotten chased out of so many body shops because they're like, look, man, there's shards of metal, glass, everything in a body shop, and you're walking around here in flip-flops. I'm like, man, that's, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get back into shoes, but it's really hard after living your life in flip-flops. Hey, you, I did cut my hair before we saw each other here. Because it was down to here just a couple of days ago. So you got this 275-pound fat dude with long hair, <laughs> flip-flops. It's a sight. Uh, awesome. Next time we talk about detail, we'll talk about detailers that are fat and the, str and the struggle that fat detailers have. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a topic. Very few of I, I literally was, real quick, I was in New York. I went up to work with Detailing Dynamics, one of the best detail shops I've ever walked in the doors of. They have an amazing place. Matt Zarkawi and Eddie up there. They're, if, you, if you've never heard of them, you get on your computer and look up detailingdynamics.com. They're in Mineola. Well, I mean, they made me look like, like a, you know, like a peasant detail shop. You know what I'm saying? They just, they got scissor lifts everywhere. It's just awesome. They do a ton of stars and everything. They're just great guys too. But they, awesome. um, I went up there and I was buffing a car for them. I was about 320 at the time. Wow. And uh, so I'm squatting down and I'm high speed. I'm real focused. And all of a sudden, two seconds later, I'm looking up the ceiling with my high speed in my hand. I rolled over because I was so heavy at the time from eating all that pizza oh man oh yeah so mm. next time fat detailers and how it's a struggle yeah uh for me it was uh it was fried chicken yeah you look a lot you look a lot skinnier dude i i am i've lost quite a bit of weight myself yeah, you're man. you're pretty <laughs> <laughs> you got some pretty lips you got some pretty uh... lips <laughs> where, do, where do people find you on social uh, do what? 
Uh, where do people find you on social? Uh, at theceramicpros.com. Uh, at theceramicpros. Yeah, that's right. We we took the name. Yep, we're okay. We don't, we don't have a problem with it. It's helped a lot, by the yeah. way. <laughs> people will call us all the time. They're like, are y'all ceramic pro? We carry the product. Sounds <laughs> like That's playing. awesome. Yep. Like that's awesome. That's yep, awesome. Yep, yep. Oh, and I bought the website last night, the web domain for PorscheMasters.com. So I do that a lot, too. I buy up website names. That's awesome. I like it. That's yep. Awesome. All right, guys. Hey, thank right, you, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. Detailers, okay, so you've heard it. The announcement is live. Mobile Tech 2021 is going to happen. We're going to be there on stage, ready to do podcast episodes with you. So go right now. Go sign up for Mobile Tech Expo Orlando 2021. And the reason why you need to go now, use Pints as your discount code because you might not get to go to education day. That is what fucking Corona has done. So can't wait till the last day. You got to go now. You might not be able to come in if you don't go sign up, go schedule it, go right now. MobileTechExpo.com. Go follow them on social, click the links, however you got to go to get to where you buy your education day. That's going to be a great day, and you can use a special code, PINTS, as your discount. Ooh.